1: When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody. Episode Uh, 570 of the podcast. It is week America. The Air tour Sports Podcast. It is Monday, August 15th. 2,022 people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is getting ready, baby, because we are getting close to college football. That is right. Two Saturdays from right now, we will have college football on our screens. Week zero is near. Two Mondays from now, we'll be reacting to it all. We are getting close. College football is near. Could not be more excited. Could not be more ready to gear up for college football. I will say this, though. Going to go in a little bit of a different direction to lead today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what we are going to discuss today. Going to open with sort of a basketball story. Greg Sankey in the news, SEC Commissioner. Uh, he has hinted that he wants to reconsider the structure of the NCAA basketball tournament. I, yeah, you could guess I'm not a fan. I will explain why. From there, I actually thought Notre Dame's AD, Jack Swarbrick, had some very interesting comments about their future as well. I'm going to tell you why I'm actually rooting for Notre Dame to stay independent. I think it'll be an interesting conversation. We'll make you think and we'll wrap really kind of fun, interesting uh, way to wrap the show. So on Friday, there was a high school basketball all-American game for players going into their senior years of high school. Two players that played came on today's show to preview the game. I interviewed him on Friday, live from Chicago. The two players, Justin Edwards, a Kentucky basketball commit, and Stephon Castle, a UConn basketball commit. Really fun interviews with each of them. I obviously spoke to them separately, why they chose their schools, what they think of their crazy head coaches, who they're recruiting to play with them. So Justin Edwards and Stephon Castle will play those back-to-back to to end today's show. A couple things we won't be talking about. One kind of done with Stoops versus Cal. If you miss my Stoops versus Cal thoughts on Friday's show, I encourage you to go back and listen, but I'm kind of over it. Cal said his piece, he apologized, uh, and I'm ready to move on. I, I don't find anything else really interesting, although I know Mark Stoops responded this weekend. The other thing I would say is this. Kentucky did finish its foreign tour in college basketball on Sunday. They looked awesome. A few of you have asked me about that. Rather than talk about Kentucky today... What I'm going to do instead is there's really about three or four teams that are in the midst of summer tours. We'll get to all of them on Wednesday, kind of do a big, broad recap. Arkansas has one game left. Alabama's wrapping up their tour. Uh, Oklahoma looked good. Auburn looked good. Kentucky finished 4-0 on Sunday. So we will do all of the foreign tours on Wednesday's show. Today, though, we got a lot to get into. And so with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, uh, it is a man who very much uh, has basically a, a permanent place on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, a guy that I talk about a lot, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. And what I would say about Greg Sankey in general, I have an immense amount of respect for this guy. And I've talked about it before. I don't know if college football gets played in 2020 if it isn't for Greg Sankey. Um, And I give him a lot of credit. He has almost become the face of college sports, and I certainly think that he has become the most powerful person in college sports, especially as we transition out of the Mark Emmert era over the next couple months to year. He will have, he being Greg Sankey, is going to have a huge say in what the future of college sports looks like, the future of the college football playoff, all that good stuff. But one thing that has become increasingly clear over the last couple months is that it appears as though Greg Sankey is really kind of pushing behind the scenes for some sort of change to the college basketball NCAA tournament. The one that we all know and love, March Madness, 68 teams, Final Four, all that good stuff. About a month ago, all these rumors kind of started. We actually talked about them a little bit on last Wednesday's show. But Jeff Goodman, uh, Stadium Sports... um, you know, Field 68, great college basketball reporter. He put out a report about a month ago. I think it was right around while I was on vacation that Greg Sankey was kind of behind the scenes pushing to eliminate the automatic bids from the NCAA tournament. So rather than having the 68 teams where you get 30 or 31 teams that qualify by winning their conference tournaments, instead it's just 68 teams total, uh, 68 best teams, and we all know why he would want to do something like that to get the most SEC teams in possible, to make the most money for his conference possible, and squeeze out the little guy. Well, when Jeff Goodman put out that report, it got a ton of backlash. It got a ton of pushback. And so on Friday, Greg Sankey did go on the record, did speak to Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty, and put a slightly different twist on what he hopes to see from the future of college basketball's NCAA tournament. Now, he did say, that he wants to keep automatic bids in the NCAA tournament. But what he also did say is that he thinks it's time to reconsider what the NCAA tournament looks like. And his idea is the possibility of expansion. Now, he didn't explicitly say this. He wasn't as quoted as saying this in the article. But I get the sense that he maybe told Pat Forty this and didn't want to be quoted. Is that expansion in his mind maybe looks like instead of 68 teams, we go to 80 the way that we play that first four with teams currently 65 through 68 we now do 65 through 80 so essentially 16 teams kind of playing their way into the nca tournament almost four first fours if you will and while he didn't explicitly say that it's clear that he wants us to rethink the college basketball tournament and rethink expansion and expand the, uh, rethink expansion and add more teams to the nca tournament Really quickly, his arguments for expanding the college football the college basketball NCAA tournament is pretty straightforward. One, he references Ole Miss winning the college baseball tournament a few weeks ago. Ole Miss, for people who do not know, was the last team in the field in the NCAA tournament. And basically what Greg Sankey asks is a pretty straightforward question. Are we possibly leaving out teams that can win this thing the way that Ole Miss won it Um, And is there a way to get more teams in to make it more of a national event, get more teams involved, all that good stuff? Well, before I tell you why I hate the idea of expansion, let's just get a couple things out of the way. One, Greg Sankey does not want to expand this thing to make it the most equitable, fair tournament possible. It's to get, instead of seven SEC teams, it's to get eight, nine, ten in. Um, And also, I found it very ironic uh, that he said to Pat Forty that he was not granting the interview to, quote, make headlines. Well, if he didn't want to make headlines, he didn't have to do the interview. Instead, it appears as though he very much wants to make headlines. And the way that I read this article was he got so much pushback on the idea of eliminating automatic bids that I think he's kind of trying to just feel out what the reaction would be to expansion. I I get the sense that this was kind of a, you know, you throw your, your, I'm not a fisher, but you throw your cast in the water and see what you can get. And I think this was kind of to see how far that he can push this thing what can I do to make more money off the NCAA tournament without pissing everybody off? And so let's get into it, and let me just start. I'm just going to be. you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush any longer. I absolutely hate the idea of the NCAA tournament expansion. I think it's perfect the way it is. And so let's get into why, Well, I greatly respect Greg Sankey, he is just dead wrong on this, and we as a public and as a society have to stop this man from expanding the NCAA tournament. First of all, what I would say is, his logic for expanding makes no sense and it's actually factually incorrect, right? So I'm not you know I, I think one thing that I do okay is I, I get I understand why certain things happen if it is good for the product and good for the growth of whatever, right? So as an example, I get why Roger Goodell in the NFL added a, a, a you know a Monday night playoff game and added more teams and added more this and added more that. We've had wildcard teams win the Super Bowl. We've had wildcard teams make the Super Bowl. So I get the argument for that. What I would also say, though, is Greg Sankey's argument that we need to expand the NCAA tournament because we are leaving teams out that can potentially win. Not only is that uh, just uh, whatever, it's just factually incorrect, okay? And if you listen to this show year-round, you know that this is one of my favorite rants. Because every February... In college basketball, in the NCAA tournament, or leading into the NCAA tournament, what is the thing that you hear from everybody who covers this sport? From Jay Billis, from Dick Vitell, from whoever. What do you hear every single February? Oh, this is what you hear. And I, I'm going to pause for dramatic effect. Besides Jay Billis saying, that's a foul. That's a foul. What you hear, what you hear is this. Every February, what do we hear? We hear, well, this tournament is as wide open as I could ever remember it. There's 20 or 25 or 30 teams that can win it all this year. I truly believe that. And that's my sort of Jay Billis voice. But he he says that all the time. Dick Vitale says that all the time. And what do I tell you all the time on this show? That is absolute baloney. And it is absolute baloney that in college basketball, we are leaving teams out of the NCAA tournament that are good enough to win it. College baseballs may be different. I know I joke about being a college baseball guy every once in a while, and I cannot speak to how that tournament works. Uh, I love college baseball, but I watch it about one, two weeks a year. I can't speak to how college baseball works. But what I can tell you is we are definitively not leaving teams out of the NCAA tournament that can win it all. How do I know that? Well, we have the facts to back it up. Every year, when guys or girls say that this is the most wide-open tournament I can ever remember, what do I tell you? No, it's not. Here are the facts. And I use this fact every single year, and I'm going to keep using it until I'm proved wrong. Since 2007, so that is now 15 NCA tournaments. It would be 16 if the 2020 tournament wasn't canceled. Every year we hear it's wide open. Well, of the last 15 NCA tournaments, here are the facts. 12 of those 15 have been won by a number one seed. So you can have a a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 seed, 11 seed, get to a Final Four. You can have a 6, 7, 8, 9 seed, make it Elite Eight. But of the last 12 NCAA, of the last 15 NCAA tournaments, 12 have been won by a number one seed. Of the three NCAA tournaments that were not won by a number one seed, one was Villanova in 2016. They were the, the top number two seed. Big East regular season champ, Big East tournament champ, uh, go to a Final Four, win a national championship as the top number two seed. The other two, my alma mater, UConn in 2011 with Kemba Walker and 2014 with Shabazz Napier. Both of those guys were the best players in the NCAA tournament. So the idea that we are leaving teams out that can win it, there's just no proof to back up that that's the case. If there was proof and we could definitively say that, then I would say, yes, let's expand it because I don't want somebody sitting at home that's good enough to win it. But in the last 15 NCAA tournaments, we have concrete indisputable data. If you are not a top five team or have the best player in the tournament, you're not winning. You might be able to make an Elite Eight, a Sweet 16, a Final Four. You're not winning the NCAA tournament. So if Greg Sankey's logic made sense, I would at least consider it. But his logic is factually flawed and incorrect. Two, it goes to just the bigger picture, which is what I know you're all thinking when you hear a story like this. Why I don't want to expanded is because the NCAA tournament is the perfect sporting event. Why do you have to mess with perfect, Greg Sankey? Why do you have to mess with perfect? And when I look at the NCAA tournament, listen, I understand college basketball, 365 days a year, is not the biggest sport in America. I understand that college basketball, for many people, probably not people who listen to this show, but for many people across the country, it's a sport that they pick up in February late February, early March, into the NCAA tournament. But the NCAA tournament itself is perfect. Yes, there's the four play-in games on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's a little bit of an appetizer. But then we have the perfect setup for the rest of the weekend. You have all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. We plan our events around it. We plan our vacations around it. We plan our vacation time around it. That first Thursday, you're either at the bar with your friends You're at the sports book. Some of you maybe take a trip to Vegas that weekend, and it is the perfect setup, perfect long weekend. But what I would also say is to add teams would be to mess it up. First of all, you basically go straight from the conference tournaments into the NCAA tournament on Tuesday. But what I would say is, I think I love college basketball as much as anybody. We don't need more NCAA tournament games. One, because we're not gonna have teams that we wanna see, which we'll get into in a minute. But two, beyond that. It just messes with the structure of everything, right? Why the NCAA tournament is perfect is for a few reasons. One, it involves everybody. Even if your team's not in it, you can, incl- you can fill out a bracket. You can compete against your friends. Now with sports betting, being more prominent, you can go to the sports book, throw a few bucks down. But like I said, you have Thursday, you have Friday, you have Saturday. By Sunday, everybody's drained. Now you want to start this thing on Tuesday and play eight games on Tuesday and then eight games on Wednesday just to get to the main bracket? Listen, people, can't, people are having enough trouble getting off Thursday and Friday of this thing. Now you're asking them to watch basketball all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday just to get to the main bracket? This thing is perfect as, we, as it is. We do not need to expand it further. Listen, I'll say this. Even like the college football playoff. Now, I like the college football playoff at four. I've kind of accepted that it's expanding, But I can at least acknowledge that it's far from a perfect sporting event, and it does need some sort of tweaking one way or another. Now, I'm not in favor of going to 16, because I don't think there's 12 teams in college football that are missing the playoff that can win it, but I know the college football playoff is not a perfect format. The NCAA tournament is a perfect format, though, and that is what frustrates me the most, is that beyond the fact that Greg Sankey is using factually incorrect, flawed data to make his argument, on top of it, why are you trying to mess up a perfect event? And then I think three, when I, when I sit here and look at it, what especially bothers me about the concept of expanding is it's not as though we are going to get teams that anybody wants to see. We are not going to get, you know, if we add another whatever it would be, 12 teams to this NCAA tournament, we know who it's going to be. It's not going to be the small schools. It's not going to be the little guys. It's going to be the 11th best team from the SEC. The 14th best team from the Big Ten, the 9th best team in an 11 team Big East. Like, it is going to be the teams that nobody wants to watch. And you know who nobody wants, you know who, you know who doesn't want to watch them? And I talk about this all the time. Even their own fans. If you're 15 and 13 in a power conference, you do not deserve to be competing at the highest level for a championship. I'm sorry. It's just the facts, it's just the truth. I'll take it a step further. It was interesting, right? Because in the article, Greg Sankey references that Texas A&M, who for people who forget, uh, won, uh, they they made it to the SEC championship game in college basketball this year. And I think everybody thought they were gonna get in and they were one of like the first two or three teams out of the NCAA tournament. And so Greg Sankey uses them as an example of, well, that's a team that should have been in the NCAA tournament. Now, I think they should have been in the NCAA tournament, but I also don't think that you can really argue that you were, like, totally, completely snubbed out of this thing, when, oh, by the way, I'm looking at their schedule from last year right now. This is Texas A&M. You know, I have an immense amount of respect for Buzz Williams. Guess what? Texas A&M, right in the heart of SEC play, lost seven straight games. They did not win a game from January 15th until February 15th, And also, they then lost a game after that to Vanderbilt. So over the course of, what is that, nine games, they lose eight of them, including seven in a row, went over a month without a win. I'm sorry, you can't tell me that's a team that definitively deserved to be in, let alone could win it. And so that's my biggest problem with this on top of everything else. Besides the fact that it's this perfect event, you're just going to add teams that nobody wants to see. A&M had their chance during the regular season. They lost seven straight games. They lost eight of nine games. They went a month without winning a game. That is not a team that got robbed. That is not a team to cry tears in the street for. I'm sorry, it's just not. And so to me, I just, I don't like this and what it speaks to more than anything. What it speaks to more than anything is the idea of something that I keep talking about on this show and it's so disappointing, and it's so frustrating, but it is also reality. And it is that the people that are currently in charge of college sports, their sole goal is to make the single, most mo- single most mon- the single most money they possibly can. I don't know why I stuttered there, tripped over my own words. Rather than what is for the good of college sports. Now, I understand. I understand at the end of the day, Greg Sankey's job is not to look out for 360-something Division I men's basketball teams and 131 FBS football teams. I understand that his job is to make the most amount of money that he can for the SEC. I get that. I understand that ultimately that is his job as the SEC commissioner, and I respect the concept of, of continuing to create revenue wherever you can for your constituents. I own a business. I understand you gotta make money, right? You're always, I'm always constantly thinking, how do I grow my business? How do I grow this? How do I grow Aaron Torres Media? But at the end of the day, I do think there is a line of demarcation where you can expand for the sake of making money and also hurt your product at the same time. And I think that's the constant push-pull in, right now in college sports. I think it's a constant push-pull with any business, but the business that I'm talking about right now is college sports. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but I think this is kind of where Notre Dame is right now. Notre Dame is like, we can make the most money possible by joining the Big Ten, but we have to sell a part of our soul to do it, or we can make a little bit less money to go ahead and stay independent and be who we are and stay true to 100 years of football tradition. I think they're struggling with that right now, and I do think that sports sometimes, right now specifically college sports, you're making these decisions to make the most possible money while not thinking about the long-term side effects and how it impacts your fans. I'll give you a quick side story, and then we'll wrap on this topic. But think about what's going on in Major League Baseball right now. You know, it's amazing. I started watching that Derek Jeter documentary. It's awesome. And you forget how awesome baseball was and how big it felt 10, 15, 20 years ago. It doesn't feel that way anymore. And part of why I don't think it feels that way is because... Major League Baseball, over the last 20 years, everything has been about making the most money possible, the biggest dollar amount possible, even if it is at the sacrifice of the fans. What's the biggest issue, not the biggest issue, but what's the topic in baseball right now? They got these Friday night games on Apple Plus and these games over here and MLB Network has some of the, and people can't even find their games. And so, yes, Major League Baseball is making the most possible money for those 30 Major League teams, and I'm sure the owners are happy But is it for the good of baseball? Is it for the growth of baseball? Is the best thing for baseball starting World Series games at 8.30 when kids can't stay up? And so I just bring it up to say, whether it is college sports, whether it is Major League Baseball, whether it is a business that you're familiar with, every business has to kind of find that sweet spot of, yes, we have to make money. Yes, we have to pay the bills. Yes, we have to make revenue. And in a perfect world, we want to make the most money possible. But at what point are we sacrificing the, the quality of, of the product for our consumers. That's what I'm worried about with some of the college football stuff, and that's definitely what I'm worried about with this NCAA tournament. Listen, Greg Sankey, you know, I looked it up today, he's about 57, 58 years old. Um, you know He's probably on the back four, five, six years of his career right now, right? I mean, he's probably got you know, another seven, eight years in college sports, and then he's done. And I just sit there and wonder, in two, three, five, ten 10 years, he's gonna look back and say, man, I made those SEC schools a lot of money. But is he doing what is best for college sports? That I don't know, and I certainly don't know if he has visions of expanding the NCAA tournament. I really do hope that whoever is the people, whether it is us as fans, whether it is people like myself in the media that have some sort of platform, I do hope people continue to speak up. The NCAA tournament is perfect the way it is. It might be the only sporting event that's perfect the way that it is, we don't need to change it. We don't need to suck every single dollar that we can out of this thing. There's a lot of money to go around. These SEC schools are not struggling to find money. They're not going through the couch cushions to pay the bills. And I hope we stand up. And I hope people continue to push back on Greg. Thank you. All right, that's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. I do want to come back? Uh, you know, think I have some interesting thoughts on Notre Dame. Notre Dame's AD Jack Swarbrick said some interesting stuff last week, Um, and and I'm going to tell you not necessarily what I think is going to happen. We've done plenty of that over the last couple weeks. Instead, what I want to do is talk about what I hope happens for Notre Dame football. We'll explain that next. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All
1: right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, how about our partners, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Incredible offer for those of you who love Major League Baseball. Bet $5 on any team, any game. You're a fan of Cincinnati. You're a fan of Houston. You're a fan of Chicago, Boston, New York, whoever. Bet $5 on any team. And whether they win or lose, you get $100 in free bets, courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right, $5 on any team, $100 in free bets, whether they win or lose. Unbelievable offer. Here is how you can take advantage. Click the link in the show description and sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $5 money line bet on any team. And whether your team wins, whether your team loses, you get $100 in free bets courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. It is the best deal going in sports betting, so go ahead and act now. If you or somebody you know has gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IN in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or call or text Tennessee Redline one 800 in Tennessee. Must be 21-plus or over to enter. 18-plus or over in Wyoming. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Louisiana, New York only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $5 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to kind of continue the conversation on, on really just this ever-evolving world of college sports that we live in, um, but, but kind of do it from a different angle and talk a little bit about some stuff that came out of Notre Dame last week. And I know that some of you are probably thinking, like, Torres, dude, you, you've talked way too much Notre Dame over the last couple weeks, and I do understand where you're coming from. It does feel like we have talked a lot about Notre Dame, but one thing I always try to do, I always try to take you, you know, I don't try to tell you the story. I try to tell you the story behind the story, right? And right now, it seems as though every little story in college sports, it does connect back to Notre Dame in some way because Notre Dame is essentially the connective tissue that kind of brings all of these stories together, whether you like Notre Dame or not. And I know most of you don't, and I know some of you probably think I'm talking about them too much, but the bottom line is, any story going on in college sports right now, Notre Dame is somehow connected to. When the Big Ten TV contract came out last week, it was a point of topic. Does this make Notre Dame more likely or less likely to want to join a conference? If the Pac-12 signs a new TV deal, does that mean that the Big Ten isn't going to expand because outside of Notre Dame, they're not going to be able to bring in a 16th team? Now, obviously, they would bring in in, in Notre Dame, but I do think if the Pac-12 does settle on a TV contract, it probably is a pretty good sign that Notre Dame isn't going anywhere. And so I could go on and on, college football, playoff, whatever. But most of these major topics, it really does tie back to Notre Dame, and I actually thought there was some interesting conversation that came out of South Bend last week via their athletic director, Jack Swarbrick. And so Jack Swarbrick is their AD, Jack Swarbrick kind of had a State of the Union address where he talked about a lot of things, but certainly Notre Dame's future and independence was at the forefront. And I'm going to get into some of what he said in a minute, but before I do what I would say is a couple quick things. I paid close attention to that that press conference from Jack Swarbrick and two things really struck me and really stood out to me that I can't believe that I am saying and that I know many of you that are non-Notre Dame fans are not going to believe. But one, watching this whole process play out, all this realignment stuff and everything that's going on, Notre Dame at least right now staying independent and the reasons why they have stayed independent... I've actually got a newfound respect for Notre Dame. I never thought I'd say that. I actually have a ton of respect for who Notre Dame is and how they're handling themselves in this world of college sports. And two, what I would also say, I really do hope that Notre Dame does in fact stay independent because I think it's good for college football as a whole. Now the question becomes, what did Jack Swarbrick say, their athletic director, in his media availability last week? Well, again, he was asked about a lot of different things. The Big Ten TV deal... Expansion realignment Texas USC whatever, um, but essentially what it boiled down to was what is next for Notre Dame, and he reiterated a certain he reiterated kind of his talking points about what is going to decide whether Notre Dame remains independent or not. And for Notre Dame fans, this probably isn't all that new to you, but I think it's worth you know just for the audience knowing one. Um, The first thing that's most important is just having a TV partner that pays them enough to remain competitive on the national college football landscape. We kind of know what the Big Ten teams are basically making right now. We kind of know what the SEC teams are making right now. And Jack Swarbrick said, look, we're not trying to make the most money possible, but we obviously do need to make enough money where we can compete at the highest level. Two, the second thing that's going to decide whether we are in a, a, a league or we stay independent are we going to have access to the, to the next iteration of the college football playoff? And so I think the first two things kind of make me believe that it's more that he's leaning towards wanting to stay independent. They're going to get money from somewhere. I'm not worried about it. If they're not worried about making the single most dollar amount, they're going to get the money. And if we, expand to a, uh, if we expand the playoff, guess what? It's probably going to 12. It's probably going to 16. There's going to be more uh, at-large bids than there have ever been. That's good for Notre Dame. Now, the third thing that he said kind of caught my interest because it actually sounded like this is something that could push them to the Big Ten. He said that he is starting to get a little bit worried about the travel for the uh, Olympic sports, kind of the non-football sports. Here is what he said about that. I'll read the direct quote. He said, the third is we need a good home for our Olympic sports where they can compete for national championships, but also have schedules that make sense for that. The ACC has been a great partner in that regard. I'd like to make progress on the schedule front. And he goes on, he says, it's so hard for our kids to travel the way that we do. I think we've talked about it before, but when you're going to Tallahassee and you start with a bus trip to Midway Airport and then connect, you connect once along the way before you get there and then you're on a bus to get to campus, that's probably 18 or 16 hours that you're involved in traveling. That's pretty tough for a pre-med or finance major to do that. We're always looking for ways to make scheduling easier. So that makes it sound like the Big Ten kind of makes more sense. A lot of bus trips, a lot of easy drives, all that good stuff. But he did wrap by saying something that I found very interesting. He said, I could argue that our independence has never been more valuable than it is right now. And so if I took one big thing out of his press conference, it's that if I had to guess right now, I believe in his heart of hearts he wants to remain independent. He just wants to make sure that essentially it's economically feasible to do so. So now comes the question, Torres. you just said that you have a newfound respect for Notre Dame football. How could you possibly have respect for them? They don't play anybody. They stink. Well, here's why I have a newfound respect for Notre Dame football as it pertains to the present and future of college sports. One of the things that we have found over the last couple of years in this new shift of realignment, and really, basically, most all realignment decisions over the last 10, 12 years. It's exactly what we just talked about with Greg Sankey. Virtually none of them are for the good of the fans, for the good of the student-athletes, for the good of the consumer of the product. It is all about making money, making the most money possible, being selfish, and in many ways, not doing what is best for your fans, your athletes, etc. I could go on and on down the list. It's not just the recent ones. You know, you think about Maryland going to the Big Ten 10, 12 years ago. That wasn't what was best for their student-athletes. That wasn't what their fans wanted. They did it strictly because of cold, hard cash. UCLA the last couple weeks, I respect what UCLA did. I know they had no choice, uh, especially when USC was leaving, but they didn't do that for the good of the fans. They didn't do that for the good of the student-athletes. If it was for the good of the student-athletes, Why are they sending all their their Olympic teams to to Bloomington, Indiana and West Lafayette and Champaign, Illinois and Piscataway, New Jersey? It's not what's best for anybody other than the bottom line. And so where I've come to respect Notre Dame, yes, they got to make money. We all got to make money. We just talked about with the NCAA tournament. But what I respect about their situation is that they seem to be literally the only school in college sports that is willing to sacrifice a little bit of money for the overall good of their athletic department, of their athletes, and most importantly, their fans. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, Jack Swarbrick had some comments about, you know, they're essentially the only school that plays on the East Coast, the West Coast, in the Midwest, in the Southeast portion of the country, and that he takes pride in that their athletic department takes pride in playing these games across the country, being a national brand, all that good stuff. And he mentioned, we get to do some really cool stuff as Notre Dame that nobody else gets to do. Last year, they played Wisconsin at Soldier Field in Chicago. Now, it wasn't a great game because Wisconsin stunk, Graham Mertz stunk, Notre Dame was figuring themselves out, but it was a cool event. You couldn't turn that on, and it just felt awesome. It was a big Fox noon kickoff game. You wanted to be there. This year, they play BYU at Allegiant Field in Las Vegas. That's going to be a great atmosphere. Those West Coast Notre Dame fans get to come. Uh, They play BYU, which travels really well. That's going to be really cool. They get to play Notre Dame in Dublin uh, next season to open the year. That's really cool. A couple years from now, they'll play Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. That game was supposed to be played during 2020. That was obviously canceled because of COVID. And so I just bring it up because Notre Dame understands we have a unique space in college sports, but it's not just unique from a branding or marketing perspective. It's cool for our fans. It's cool for our players. And yes, could in theory you play Navy in Dublin if you, if you went to the Big Ten or if you went to the ACC even though they're not going to? Yes, of course you can. But it's not the same. It's not the amount of opportunities. It's not the amount of cool opportunities. And we like being Notre Dame. We like being different. We like being able to do stuff that nobody else would do. And so that is why I have a newfound respect for them is that they seem to be willing to sacrifice just a little bit of money. I'm not making them out to be you know, uh, Peter Pan stealing from the rich and giving to the poor here. That's not what I'm saying. But they seem to be the only program in America that's willing to sacrifice a little bit for the overall good of their fans and their fan base. And I think that's so cool in this era of college sports. To take it a step further, that is also why I want them to stay independent in college football. It's because as college sports continues to evolve, and it's a theme of today's show, I get it. I get that it's all about money. I get that there are bills to be paid. And I get that if you, some of these schools don't make some of these decisions, it means you're cutting scholarships. It means you're cutting teams. It means you're cutting athletics. Um, and that's certainly not what I want. But why... Uh, but but but. What I also fear about college sports in general, it's becoming a little bit too homogenized, right? We got the Big Ten over here. We got the SEC over here. Those two conferences are essentially going to have access to the playoff. They're going to have access to 90% of the playoff bids probably. Um, They're going to have way more money than everybody else. And whether it happens in two years, five years, ten years, they're going to separate from everybody else in college football. And that's why, as we've talked about a million times, um, that's why we're starting, you know, that's why everybody is itching to get into those conferences. And so as college sports becomes more homogenized, becomes, in, from a football perspective, more like the NFL, as potentially now the NCAA tournament gets watered down, as we just talked about, I love the fact that Notre Dame is a throwback, and they're just doing their own thing completely different from everybody else. And I think what makes Notre Dame so cool is that they're going, is the idea that they can continue to stay this way. And that's why I hope they remain independent. What we love about college sports, it's not professional sports. It's different. You play weird games at weird times, you have uh, weird outcomes, you play in, in, in NFL stadiums, you do different things. And so for me, I just would much rather live in this world. Where Notre Dame, one week they're playing BYU in Vegas, and then the next week they're playing Clemson at home. And then the next week they're flying to Florida State to play at Florida State, and then they're going to play in Dallas on a neutral site game against Texas Tech or whoever. Isn't that much cooler? Isn't that much interesting? more interesting than Notre Dame just becoming another school in the Big Ten? Then just, oh, yep, play Ohio State this week. Then the next week we go over to Illinois. And then the week after that we get uh, Minnesota at home. Oh, then we got to fly out to Penn State, play Penn State, uh, wrap the season with a little home game against uh, against Purdue. Like to me, that's not what college sports is about. And I much would rather look forward to Notre Dame again playing that that neutral site game at Yankee Stadium. They played a few years ago against Syracuse, against BYU at Allegiant Stadium in Dublin. In this, in that, it's different. It, what's, it's what's makes college football special. What doesn't make college football special? No disrespect is going to play Illinois in Champaign in a noon kickoff, is going to Piscataway, is you know, having whoever, Minnesota on the road. It's no disrespect to the lovely folks of Minnesota. But what makes college football college football is the traditions, is the uniqueness, is that Notre Dame isn't just like everybody else. Oh, by the way, it's not just because they're independent, but that you know, Bama is completely different than LSU, that Kentucky is completely different than Tennessee, and so the more that we go down this road, where everything is just about strict dollars and cents, how can we make the most money? One, I think it's really cool that Notre Dame is willing to consider a world where they care about their fans and the overall byproduct of what they're trying to, the overall health of everything, the student athletes, the fans, the the you know the the, the financial aspects. And then two, I hope they stay independent. I think it's much more cool to see Notre Dame play uh, Navy in Dublin or Syracuse at Yankee Stadium or whoever uh, BYU at Allegiant Stadium. I think that's much cooler than them just being another big Ten team playing in Illinois one week, Penn State the next week um, you know Minnesota and uh, Northwestern the two weeks after that all right I think that's essentially it for my part of the Aaron Torres sports podcast this is what I want to do. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we do come back, gonna do some interviews. You know, speaking of Chicago, we're just talking about Notre Dame playing at uh, uh, Soldier Field the other uh, last year, but in Chicago on Friday night, there was a high school basketball All American game called the Under Armour Elite Twenty Four Game, and two of the players who participated in that game were Kentucky commit Justin Edwards and UConn commit Stephon Castle, and I was able to interview both of them. Prior to tip off on Friday, really fun interviews with both kids. I mean, they, they you know, 17 years old. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that you know it was like uh, you know the uh, you know they're, they're, they're shy little quiet kids, but they were very sweet, very genuine with their time. Both were you know answered all my questions, and I very much appreciate them. And I appreciate Elite uh, uh, Under Armour Elite 24 game in setting those interviews up. So before we get to them, first of all, want to remind you make sure you're subscribed, to Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify. Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for my portion of today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Redick, UF head. Unblock me, dude. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to toss over to Justin Edwards, a future Kentucky Wildcat. From there, we'll transition and wrap with Stefan Castle, a commit to UConn. Both will play high school basketball this year. 2023, 2024, they will be playing college basketball. As for me, I'll be back on Wednesday with a new episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Purchase necessary void by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply See website for details all right joining me via zoom uh he is in Chicago Friday night the UA next elite 24 uh game is in Chicago he is participating in that a Kentucky commit top five player nationally Justin Edwards is on via Zoom Justin how you doing man
2: yeah, how are you, Coach? I said, Coach, my bad. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> it's all right, man. Uh, what What are you, a little sleep-deprived or what, man? I see you rubbing your eyes a little bit, everything okay? Yeah, you know, man, I,
2: I went back upstairs to take a little nap, trying to okay. be 100% ready for tonight.
1: Fantastic. Well, you know, it speaks to, it's been a pretty crazy summer for you, really a crazy two, three years. Um, You know, take us through the entire summer. You know, you play AAU, you, you obviously make your college commitment. It just seems like one day after the other, after the other, you were at Pangos All-American camp where I was earlier this summer. How surreal, how crazy has this summer been for you?
2: Um, It's been real crazy because, like, when I dropped my, when I dropped, like, when I wanted to focus on the main schools, it was like schools chill trying to recruit me. So I'm like, dang, like, I don't, like, I don't know, like, UCLA offered me, Michigan offered me. I'm like, dang, I'm just like, I'm going to just focus on the schools that I, like, I got in mind. But it was like, it also was like, I had a lot, of, I was like overwhelmed with it. So it was like, I was playing bad some of the times. Like, I felt like I wasn't saying, I, I wasn't say I wouldn't say I played bad. I just felt like I wasn't myself, like out on the court. I felt like the, like the recruitment and like the with the colleges was just too much for me. And like at towards the end of like the recruitment process.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I saw you at Pangos and we talked very briefly and, and that was the sense that I got as well. Um, I know you're, you know, you you appreciate the correspondence and all that from the coaches and stuff. But it, it did feel like, and I think you've even said publicly outside of this interview, it was a little bit overwhelming for you. Um, what what was it like is you kind of knew you were down to two, three schools, whatever, um, and you still have people calling. And, and I think I'm guessing that's probably part of the reason why you made the decision in the summer like you did, just to kind of settle once and for all where you're going to go.
2: Um, wait, repeat it again, my bad.
1: Yeah, just really i just i it, you said it at pangos that, that you know you were kind of ready to to kind of wrap things up i was just talking about how stressful it must have been in a good way you know i know you appreciate all these coaches reaching out but then two i'm assuming that's probably part of why you made your decision in the summer once you settled once you knew uh you were ready to get the whole thing over with
2: yeah i felt like once i was like once i like, I, I, I knew where I was going, like, in Peace Jam. So, that's why I was, like, able to be myself again. Like, not, I was not yeah, like, I, I felt like I wasn't myself. But once I figured out where I wanted to go, I was able to, like, like out of the, no, it was always, it was, like, it was, I, I, it was always out of Tennessee, Kentucky. So, it was like, but it was just them going back and forth that held, like, that just had a lot of pressure on me. But once I figured out where I wanted to go, I was back to myself.
1: Fantastic. You know, I know you've talked about it, but, Tennessee, obviously for a long time was deemed to be a leader. Kentucky uh, is the, the the ultimate school. I mean, now that the decision is done and, and I know you have ultimate respect for both coaching staffs. I do too. I know coach Barnes very well. What, uh, you know, what was it that allowed Kentucky to, at least from the outside, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, take the lead. And then ultimately, um, you know, what, what allowed you to make that decision? Um,
2: I just, I just, like I said, like it was, it really came down to me just following my dream. Like I said, a dream out for myself as a little kid that I always wanted to play for Kentucky. So it was like, once the dream came true, it was like, you know, it was like, it's there. So like, just take it.
1: I know it's pretty obvious, but what was it about Kentucky? What was it when you watched them as a kid? And obviously as you evolved as a basketball player,
2: just just their, just how they play and just how many people he like he's got, got it done with and just trying to get them back. Like, yeah, just how many people he's got it done with and how many people has been to like to pros. And that's where I wanted to get.
1: What, um do you, what, let me ask you this. You know, what is your, so you were born, what, 2002, 2003, somewhere in there? 2003. What was your first Kentucky memory? Because probably even like John Wall and Anthony Davis are probably a little bit young for you, Um, right? I'm going to be
2: honest. I never like watched Kentucky on TV. I just used to love watching Kentucky basketball highlights. I I used to just click on highlights and just watch like. It was either John Wall, Anthony Davis, or Devin Booker. Just always watch something Kentucky. Like I like growing up, I used to. Have, I think I had a Did I have a Kentucky? I think I like. I think I had a Kentucky jersey growing up. Like just to have. Like you know, like yeah, I think I did. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't. I don't. I don't really remember. But I. I think I did.
1: You're from Philly, right? Did anyone yeah. give you a hard time? It wasn't a Nova jersey. It wasn't a Temple jersey. Nah. Nah. What um what has your experience been? You know, kind of being on campus. Have you had a chance yet to really experience what Big Blue Nation is all about—the passion that they have for their teams, all that stuff?
2: You talking about after I committed or before?
1: Either one, yeah, either one. I, I
2: didn't go after I committed. Probably, I probably will. But um, when I went up there on my official, it was it was good. Like the one thing that you probably didn't know that Kentucky has uh, bluegrass.
1: Really, I've been there. I did, I actually didn't know that. Is that true, or are you messing messing with me? Uh, that's
2: what they. That, that's what. Um, I think it was Coach Orlando. I think he said they had blue grass, but it, it it looked green or something like that. He said. Did
1: you see it with your own two eyes or
2: what? I couldn't see it, but they was like it's, the grass is blue. I'm like, yeah.
1: I think Coach O was messing with you, and he's messing with me, man. Um, real quick, you know, uh, first of all, looking ahead to the the Under Armour game for Kentucky fans that are going to tune in tonight, what do you hope to show them, just in terms of who you are, what type of player you are, all that stuff.
2: Um, that I'm a winner, like we' about to go out here and win the game, and I'm gonna be myself, play my game, and hopefully try to hopefully win MVP.
1: well, speaking of winner, you know you're you're coming to Kentucky with some really talented people around you I mean outside of the players that are currently on the roster uh Rob Dillingham's committed, Reed Shepard's committed. do you know much about them? Have you gotten to know them at all hey, those are those are my
2: guys man they were, yeah those are my guys well, give to us them. Them. me and me and rob relationship i feel it got it, I wouldn't. It got. I wouldn't say it got close, but it got like closer than what it was. Like we, we be we always we always chat. We be trying to recruit other people, but we just we get like he like that's my homie.
1: So for those of us, you know, Rob doesn't do a lot of media stuff with guys like me. Tell us a little bit about Rob. You know his game, what you like, and what you're excited about playing with him for. Um, he
2: has. I feel like he he has a different type of playing style. I feel like he, like he, I don't know. He plays smooth. Like I would, yeah, I would say he like he plays smooth. I feel like he doesn't. Like I don't, I don't know. That's like it's that's hard to, to describe. Like I, I wouldn't say it's hard, but it's like he has his own unique game. Like he he played, he has like a kind of a like a street ball game. Like you know, like with all the moves, the passes, all that. Like that's tough.
1: What about Reed? Do you know him at
2: all? Um, I didn't really get to watch Reed play because you know he was in the Adidas circuit. Know. So it was, like, but. Oh, yeah,
1: I was there in LA, he looked awesome. So I, I you know, I think he's gonna bring some some athleticism, some toughness on the wing, all that. You said you guys are recruiting some people. Can you share who who that might be that you're recruiting?
2: Um trying to get Aaron Bradshaw, uh and and DJ. Oh yeah, DJ and uh Ryan Holland.
1: How would you rate yourself as a recruiter so far?
2: Um I'd give myself an eight and a half. I got it. A- Okay.
1: Up. What do we got to do to get you to attend then?
2: Um, I just gotta gotta lock in more. I feel like um with ba- I've been busy with basketball and camps and stuff, so I haven't I haven't really had a chance to like hit them and talk about it.
1: Think you, you think you can close the deal? You think you can beat Coach Cal and uh, Coach Antigua and close the deal?
2: Yeah, I think I think I can do it.
1: Yeah really good couple quick things before we go i mean obviously still a year before you attend kentucky one have you i know you don't you're not a big watch the games guy have you seen any of the highlights from their bahamas game so far anything like that yeah
2: i was just talking about that like they just won 102 to 40 i'm like i like i love to see it i was say i said that yesterday when i saw it on uh, on the kentucky's basketball page
1: i'll tell you jacob toppin looks really 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 good right now and damian collins too do you know any of the guys on the current team
2: uh nah but you want to know something crazy Tell I me. played against I played against in my freshman year. And okay. he dunked on me. And he I wouldn't say he dunked on me, but he dunked on me. But it was like, <laughs> I'm a freshman, so it was like that's crazy.
1: Was that your uh welcome to, to big time high school hoops moment? Basically. We...
2: Basic, basically. In front of it was during the live period too, so it was in front of everybody.
1: you gonna you gonna make sure you get back at him next year when you get to Kentucky?
2: Yeah, man, I got to, man. I gotta redeem myself.
1: Fantastic. Last one. I mean, you know, it's, it's your senior year going into, obviously you still have a year left. What are you hoping to kind of improve on and get better on, you know, obviously tonight, but just in general over the next year to kind of, you know, make sure to, 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 you know, bring, bring, bring the next level of your game to Kentucky a year from now.
2: Um getting like all the little stuff, like getting stronger, my right hand, um, being a, getting a, being a better shooter. Like I'm a streaky shooter in my life and, and all this, I think, yeah, and changing my diet and stuff, like, changing it early so when I get there, like, I'm already, like, prepared.
1: What are you eating right now, man?
2: Come on now. You should know that, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not,
2: I would say it's not, it's not healthy, but I'm going to change it. I, got it. I got to.
1: Got to, man. Justin Edwards, anything else you want to share with Kentucky fans or anybody that's watching the Under Armour game on Friday night, ESPNU?
2: Watch me get this dub, man. Lock in. Tune in at 7 o'clock.
1: MVP. MVP win team player everything, man. Justin, I, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. Okay. Bye-bye. Appreciate you. All right. Joining me via Zoom. Uh, very excited to have this gentleman on the podcast. He is out in Chicago for the UA Under Armour next Elite 24 game Friday night. You can watch it. ESPNU, uh, a future UConn Huskies. Stefan Castle, what's going on, man? How you doing? How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. First of all, you know, it's been kind of a wild summer for you, playing AAU, overseas, uh, Team USA. What is it like to kind of put the bow on the summer in Chicago with so many other elite players at the UA game, uh, which will be Friday night?
0: Uh, It's definitely a blessing. Uh, I've had a big summer, like biggest summer I've ever had, so – just being able to be here with all these talented guys just to end it off, it's, it's, it's a great thing.
1: So you say it's been a big summer. For people who haven't been able to follow you kind of on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, tell us a little bit about what the last two, two and a half, three months have been like.
0: Uh, Just things with USA, just top 100. I've been in a lot of things with a lot, a lot of talented guys, like where most of the best players have been. So just on the run pretty much every day. So I've, I've only been home like five days in like the last two months, so.
1: Wow. What um? What did you What did you gain from being around elite players every single day, essentially the last two months? Team USA, top one hundred camp, peach, you know, all the stuff that you did. How do you think that you've grown? How do you think uh, that that you've? I don't know. Just what what has this past two two and a half months done for you?
0: Uh, just playing against all these talented guys just makes me so much more of a better player. Like just. Like, cause you don't play that talent every day, like high school, like college, you want to play like all the top guys every day. So it just makes me so much better.
1: What about the, the team USA experience? I mean, obviously you had to try out, you get to compete uh, not only with great talent from here within the United States, but also overseas as well. Uh, what was that experience like for you?
0: Uh, it was real fun. Just, I was like one of the youngest guys on the team. So just learning a lot uh, from the coaches, from players on the team. So just being able to learn and, being able to play still at that high level is a great thing.
1: Let me ask you, was that different for you? I mean, obviously I'm guessing at most every level that you've played at, you've been the best player, you've been the star, you've been the focal point. As you just referenced, one of the youngest guys on that team that won gold in Mexico a few months ago.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit different, just not being like the guy on the team. But, you know, my, my pop always preached to me, like when, when you get to the league, you might not be the guy. You might have to like embrace being a role player. So just, just learning to do that and just – Still being able to play my game and play hard without an attitude, so just
1: yeah. So I told you before our interview, Stefan. Uh, I I myself am a UConn Husky. Uh, how does a kid from Georgia, you know, you not only commit, you commit early. I mean, it seems as though this is what you wanted. You established it early. Uh, and what was it about UConn that made you want to be a Husky?
0: Uh, just the coach in there. I I, I could really tell Coach Travers was gonna coach me, and uh, I've been coached by my dad like pretty much my whole like high school career. So just. Like he always coached me hard. Like he never coached me like I was his son. So I seen a little bit of that and Coach Hurley. So that's like what I kind of gravitated towards.
1: So in this era where you know it's a changing sport, all that you're a guy that that likes to be coached hard, that likes to be pushed, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't like to be coached easy because because of my talent. Like I I want to be coached like everybody else get coached. So it only makes me better.
1: What was uh, what was Coach Hurley's pitch outside of I'm gonna push you the hardest that I can every single day.
0: He wants me to come there and play right away, and and be the guy on that team. Like, be the one who facilitates, be the one who scores, guard the best guy. That, that's what. That's basically what he wanted me to do. So,
1: I know it's a year away. You, you, and you still got high school. You still got high school. I'm not rushing the process here, but but is that exciting to you? You know, a coach that believes in you, that wants to put the ball in your hands and let you go.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Just know I have something to look forward to. Uh, after this season, just being able to to stay the guy on, on my team. Transitioning from high school to college, it's, it's a blessing that a lot of not like not uh, a lot of good kids, like talented kids, get to uh, experience.
1: Let me ask you a dumb question. I mean, you're a young guy. Uh, I think you just turned eighteen, or you're around eighteen years old. Um, what uh, like how much of the history of UConn do you know? I, I, I told you before, I'm an old man, so I remember Ray Allen, who of course played for the Heat and the Celtics, playing at UConn. Richard Hamilton, who won a NBA title with the Pistons at UConn. When do your Yukon memories start? Do they start did, did the history and tradition have anything to do with it at all? I knew
0: I knew a little bit about well I am not going to say I know a little bit like I knew I knew about Yukon before I committed but like once I went up there they they like refreshed my memory on a whole bunch of other stuff. I know Kimba like me and Kimba talked before so you know just like that that history like it's, it's a really big thing I'm just trying to bring it back to how it was.
1: And what did Kimba tell you about the experience about being a husky?
0: He loved it. Uh, I, I talked to him a couple times. I was, I was supposed to go work out with him, like go to an open run with him in, in Charlotte, but I ended up getting hurt like a couple days before, so I couldn't go. But yeah, Kim was real smart. He really liked the Yukon, so he, he thinks that that was a, a great fit for me.
1: You ready for the cold weather? Have you been up there when it's cold yet?
0: Yeah, I've been up there when it was snow. I went to the Xavier game, it was snowing okay. up there. Yeah, yeah. But, but most of my family's from New York, so I go up there all the time, so I'm kind of used to it.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I have a, a buddy who played in the NFL, Darius Butler. I just did something with him, and he was talking about being from Florida the first time. You know, you got to walk to practice at 6 a.m., and it's cold and all that stuff. So I get it. Real quick, a couple things we'll let you go. You know, one, first of all, I got to ask, do, do you have a, a Coach Hurley impression or a Coach Hurley best story from your time around him so far?
0: Uh, Coach Hurley impression. The best thing, well, I'm not going to say the best thing, but like the most memorable thing I have from Coach Hurley is that that one video that went viral. When he was like uh dapping his dapping his player up and then put on a straight face immediately just shake <laughs> the hand.
1: Very good, very good. Um, real quick, couple things. You know, one, you know, obviously we're gonna be sharing this interview after the UA under under armor game uh, on Friday night. But what do you hope to show not only UConn fans but college basketball fans, basketball fans in general, uh, when you're on stage here uh, performing here on Friday night?
0: Uh, I just hope to show like I'm very versatile, positionless. Like I played the one, but there's point guards on my team, so I'm not gonna not gonna complain. I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna shy away from the moment that they're giving me. Just play my game. I could play any position. I could rebound. I'm a I'm a big guard, so I could pretty much do a lot. I, that's that's basically what I want to show.
1: And going into your senior year, is it much the same? Lead your team, but also show versatility, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, but more like. More of like a one position. We we find a little bit of injury that at our high school. So I'm going to have to do a lot more towards are the you, beginning, but yeah. Are
1: you excited about that challenge?
0: I am. I, uh, We lost, our AAU team lost four of our starters. So I've basically been fighting that challenge all summer, so.
1: You know, real quick, you, you talk about fighting the challenge. You, I know rankings don't matter, but but you're about some top 30, four-star. Do you feel like you've shown everybody that maybe you're a little bit better than the rankings would indicate?
0: I do. I think – I'm not going to say it has something to do with, like, the circuit I play on, but I feel like, like uh, a number is, like, underappreciated sometimes, so.
1: Absolutely. And do you, do you know anything about the guys? Have you talked to the guys that are going to be coming to UConn with you a year from now?
0: Yeah, I have. Uh, they're real good. I looked at the uh, thing the other day. It said Solo was, like – Highest efficient shooter in EIBL or something like that, but he's underrated too. So,
1: you guys all coming in with a chip on your shoulder? Of course. Last question: anybody else that UConn fans need to keep an eye on that you're recruiting? Maybe at the the, the Under Armour game here this afternoon, this evening on Friday night.
0: Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm not, it's nobody here, but I don't want to spoil anything yet.
1: All right, Stefan Castle, uh, future UConn Husky. You can watch him Friday night. Uh, the UA next Under Armour Elite game in Chicago. My man, dude, I appreciate the time. Can't wait to watch you tonight. Can't wait to watch you in high school this year. Can't wait to watch you at UConn in 2023, 2024. We appreciate the time, man. Have a great afternoon, okay? You too. Thanks. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?